people, it's your girl, Fredrika McClary Easley, back with bum, 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 another episode of The People Are Blunt. Um, I'm excited about this conversation. We've been talking offline and we were already yapping, y'all. So this is going to be good. This is going to be a good vibe. Before I get into my guest, though, you know I have to take care of some housekeeping. So, good people, y'all know we are on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Prime, all of the good things, check us out, thumbs up, like, subscribe, share, do the things that we need you to do to let us know that you are out there. And also don't hesitate to um, leave comments because I actually look at them, I actually read them and I actually respond. Uh, check out the People's Ecosystem for our merch and our wellness line. We have some amazing things going on uh, with the relaunch coming up. Um, that I'm super excited about, so stay tuned for it. But make sure you go over to the website and check that stuff out. And last but not least, if you are on the West Coast, um, you can check out our Tosi Treats. They are in the following cities, so Sacramento, LA, Oakland, San Fran, and I'm always going to mess up this one, but um, Gurneville. Don't, don't at me, y'all, okay? I'm trying here, okay? But anyway, Tosi Trees are amazing. They're fast acting gummies. Um, they taste good. They have you feeling good. And it's a social gummy. So if you have some networking going on um, and if that's not really your jam and you need a little bit of something to help you level out, Tosi is for you. Um, and without further ado, I'm going to throw it to introduce my guest, Vicky Waze. How are you, girl? I am great. I am excited to be in the show and have some good chats with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for um, being here. So first of all, pronounce your last name for me. Is it Waste? Am I saying it right? Yes, it's Waste. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. a Vicky Waste. <laughs> all right. Got it. I got it. So um, Vicky, we're going to jump into it. Uh, but before we do, tell the people a little bit about yourself um, and what you do in the space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just started my position here with an amazing company called 240L Holdings. And, you know, we're a Chicago based company that houses brands, best in class brands that provide, you know, services to our clients where they can optimize their supply chain from sale to sea. Um, and all that is powered by our technology that allows, you know, these dis dispensaries to use the data better in order to restock their um, inventory. So that's mainly what the company, my role is generally is part of the house of brands where I create products that provide the consumer a healthy alternative lifestyle for them in this cannabis space. So first of all, that is amazing because data is so important, you know, um, it, it should drive everything, uh, especially with, especially with the nuances of cannabis and like what entrepreneurs are going through with 280E and things of that nature. Like you really have to be really smart um, with your product buys and your product placement and, you know, trying to get this stuff off the shelves. Yep. So in, in terms of services at 240, I think it's important. I want, I want to make sure our listeners um, have a clear understanding of why they would, why would they would want to come to you all? Um, and what some of the, I guess, kind of like most popular um, services and or the work that you do. Yeah, so, so, so our services, an example. 
yeah, our services here is, you know, we 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 able to bring in brands, you know, external brands. We have external brands and I'm the internal brands. Uh, the external brands we're able to bring in and logistically be able to put them in where they need to be. Where the data comes in is allows, you know, the, the, the data allows the dispensary or the retailer to understand I'm out of stock. It will then prompt them to be able to repurchase the stock and then use us from a logistics standpoint. That's mainly the services we provide. What we're looking for in, in my division is building products that that be able to provide the consumer an alternative to either you know alcohol or you know alternative for a lifestyle brand for them to utilize daily for anti-inflammatory all these things we're trying to do for the cannabis space right so that that sounds like normalizing the use right so when people talk about like kind of like micro dosing and um changing that whole image of people who are just stoned out versus people who are actually functioning their actual like professionals or athletes or whatever the case may be and they're consuming cannabis on a regular on a daily basis correct we definitely want to normalize it we want to definitely even educate um everyone around how to utilize the data, but also educate them on just the cannabis plant itself. How can it be useful for yourself? How can you use this in many different formats? What are you looking for to be able to provide you the benefit that you need to do? That's where I come in with producing the, the, the products. Okay, okay. So how long have you been working in cannabis? It's a great question. I would say I'm very new to the cannabis. I've been working two years. Uh, in the cannabis industry and most of my role was to do new product launches you know take the idea look and understand the idea look at the roadmap and put what's out there for the consumer and so now i'm taking all that skill set and put it in here and, and be very strategic and thoughtful of what we want to what do we want to put out there you know we just don't want to put anything there that brings revenue we really want to believe that this is going to add value to someone's life right 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 and so, so two years, so prior to being in the cannabis space, um, and I, I feel like that this is so many uh, people's story, because this is my story, right? Like um, that transition. And you already mentioned like the transferable, like, we're talking about this outside of this interview, but anyway, <laughs> we were talking about transferable skills. Um, and so what, what prompted you, what made you want to come into cannabis, um, into the cannabis industry? That's a great question. Um, so prior to, to the cannabis industry, I worked for a supplement company for about eight to nine years. And my role there was also, you know, product launches in the international market and the North America building process and so forth. Well, that role got very demanding, right? It became, you know, extremely um, uh, borderline burnout session for me. And so I realized that my outlet at that time to relax or, you know, unwind would be go socializing and it would be socializing in a forum where I talk to friends, we would drink alcohol. I realized in that setting, I wasn't leaving my work baggage at home. I was coming out in every avenue of my job and alcohol was just making it worse. So the avenue that I used to use socializing enabled me to, to be relaxed and unwind wasn't helping anymore. So yeah. then I was with a group of friends and they introduced me to cannabis. Like here, Vicky, have a joint. You'll be able to relax. And like, girl, chill out. Calm down. <laughs> I was getting too emotional. You know, sometimes you're drinking all, and you start talking amongst people. Things start to come on. You feel passionate again about yeah. something that pissed you off earlier. So I took the joint, and ever since then, I relaxed, and I was actually having a good time. I didn't have to talk about work. We were giggling. We, I, I felt 
different. I felt back yeah. to me. And then after that, on top of that, I wasn't sleeping. I couldn't sleep. So I started to use the over-counter, you know, sleeping pill. And I Yeah, just, like melatonin or whatever yeah. the case may be. And I just wasn't feeling effective. I was groggy. I was tired. And not to mention, you know, I ended up getting hypothyroid after my, my pregnancy. And so that wasn't helping. Everything was a combination. So when I was interested to join, I was like, let me look more into how can I sleep better? Because I wasn't being an effective person in my household, nor was I being an effective person at work. So then I started taking edibles to go to sleep. I was having great sleep. I was starting to change, feel like myself, being productive. That's when I realized, wow, what what it made me feel. I didn't feel groggy the next morning. I felt happy. I was getting, you know, the amount of sleep I needed. I was starting to eat healthier. A lot of things were starting to change for me just by replacing alcohol from to cannabis. And so that was a life changer for me, especially when I started to get a little snippy at home <laughs> with my kids with the stresses. You know, I tell people all the time, like, I have never seen Thai people fight. I've never seen people, they don't I've never fight. seen people high, like fighting or arguing. Like, it's usually like, yo, chill. Like, I'm good. I don't know. I'm sorry. I offended you. But drunk? Yes. Baby. <laughs> uh, it's, family who, it's family members who still don't talk to each other because of things that were said while they were under the influence. Um, so it is definitely a thing, but okay. So when was this? Like this was like eight or nine years ago when you were first introduced to cannabis. Like you had not, you had never dabbled before. I've, I've dabbled once in my twenties, but I'll be very honest. Like I didn't really inhale. I know what you was doing. I wasn't doing it. It wasn't until my late 30s. So I was really late bloomer for this just because I was ingrained. If you're an 80s kid, you know, dare, you know, dare, dare, dare. And it was ingrained in me not to touch it. Don't do it. Uh, I was always an yep. athlete. And I thought like, you know what, it, you know, I have no that stigma around it. That was I was convinced. But by the time, you know, you're older, you realize like, I'm going to try new alternatives that are healthy avenues to get you where you need to be. And so that's when I started to do cannabis because I just wasn't providing my family or the, the work environment uh, the best of me. Right. So yeah. I'll tell you that I'll tell you, and I don't know if this was your experience, but something happened at 31 in terms of like, I never used to get hangovers. But something happened at 31 where it was like, my tolerance is different. Now I'm getting hangovers. Now I need like a full weekend to recoup. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's hard to be productive um, when you have that kind of, when you have that kind of turnaround. So I don't know if that was the same experience for you. It was, it wasn't as bad. I started to notice, but you know, when you're, when I was that in my thirties, I just kind of ignored it. Like I can do it. You just push yeah. yourself, you push yourself. But I think yeah. for me having my son after, you know, 34, 35. And when I got into the scene after doing social drinking, you're really unproductive. And when you have kids, you got to get up into it. There's whether you're hungover or not, you got to push through they it. Don't care. Oh yes, it is. hell. And so I think that's one of the things I always tell people, like, you know, with cannabis, you won't get that hangover. You will still get the yeah. benefit the next day. You will get a full productive day if you can do this versus alcohol. Because alcohol, whether it's one or two drinks now, I feel terrible. I hung over. I just can't function on just one or two drinks. So, therefore, I always lean towards cannabis now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's solid. And at least, like, Chicago uh, uh, adult use is is regulated 
You know what I mean? So now you can do so without, you know, without the worry, if you will, and without, you know, just all the hypocrisy attached to it. Um, so we love that. I love that for you because, again, yeah. I'm in raggedy Texas. So <laughs> there's that. Um, so speaking of transferable skills, though, this is something that um, at the People's Ecosystem on the People Are Blunt, we really uplift um, because touching the plant has so many challenges with it. So I really want to just kind of quickly kind of go into one, how is your transition from the nutritional world and where you were having, experiencing that burnout into the cannabis space and, you know, how you feel like those past um, experiences like prepared you for this or like, what, what did you bring along with you? Yeah, it's a great question. I think what, what was transferable for me was I knew projects, I'm a good person that can plan it, prepare it, and execute on it. So I'm the type where I take all the puzzle pieces and put them together and then can put a process and execute on that. So I, I knew how to do that. And by doing that is because I was in, in nutritional and I knew manufacturing and I was international, I always constantly had to talk to people to build what we call, you know, the hierarchy process, the strategy. So I was able to yeah. understand how I utilize my my skill in bringing people together and governing that and, and able to partner with that into into the cannabis world. Um, on top of that, I think one of the skill sets I have is being flexible. You know, where I came from in, in the nutrition world, we had to pivot a lot. You know, that also had, you know, their own stigma of nutritional bodybuilding. It's not for men and women. You know, you were able to transfer that over to yours, being very flexibly agile, being able to educate people, learning how to work amongst each other when it comes to challenges, because the cannabis is volatile. It constantly changes. So you got to be able to nimble and not take yeah. things personally and be able to evolve. You know, I would say not everything was transferable well just yet. I'm still learning. You know, there's, you know, rigid project management skills that I brought to the cannabis world that didn't necessarily work. There is a hybrid between two two fundamentals that I had to educate myself and put that upon that. So that was also the nimble and flexibility that I had from the other organization and be prepared from here. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that totally, um, that resonates and that makes sense because I mean, you're dealing with these businesses where, um, you know, states are regulating and they are literally developing this regulation from like a blank slate. And so things are being tried. Um, they may receive feedback in terms of what's working, what's not working. And so something may be one way today and another way tomorrow. Right. And so to your point about having those processes, it's like not just the SOP, but also the process by which when changes need to occur, how do you quickly, how do you quickly handle it? Yeah. And I think people so, always question asked too, for me was, oh, Vicky, there's, there things are changing. I'm like, well, if you work in the international markets and I worked with a lot of, you know, I worked with India, I worked for Brazil, I worked for China, I worked for many markets that their regulations changes on a daily basis. Canada constantly changes. We change. So I had to pivot midway. So that also applied to the cannabis to say, we just got to be ready for these changes. You know, you got to sometimes yeah. have a backup or sometimes you don't. You just got to be ready to pivot. So I think that was the other skill set I would like to add that you prompted. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, so you said something that just um, stood out to me because, you know, cannabis is definitely volatile in its infancy. Um, there's so many changes, right? Like this industry is five years from now, who knows how it's going to look. But also in your work 
um, especially with nutrition. You were talking about like the bodybuilding and things, like, but that is also a male dominated space, right? And being a woman and a woman of color in the managerial, um, you know, C-suite, you know, those kind of spaces. Um, were you surprised when you came over to cannabis? Um, just in terms of, you know, how some of the patriarchy works is working here. Um, were you, yeah, I guess. So were you surprised or, you know, how has that been? How has that experience been for you? I think I was a little bit surprised, not too much. I think the, that in the other organization I work with, that was a lot of patriarchy. There's, you know, we, in the last, when I first started in the last organization, you know, our CC were all men. And towards the end, we were still having women. In the cannabis industry, I was a little surprised because I saw, you know, there's patriarchy, but I also saw more women, right? More women talking, yeah. more communities in there. So I was happily surprised to see that I see more women talking about the products, about the education, about all these communities. You know, one of the communities that I recently found out was, you know, moms in cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. You know, there's women out there leading these things that we can't talk about, right? So yeah. I was pleasantly surprised to see there was more of a diversity in this role in many different levels, you know, not just the, you know, the women in there, but you're talking about different other categories that we talk about uh, in the cannabis world, which is more, I think, um, accepted than in yeah. those types of corporate settings. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's interesting, and I love um, that you just uplifted that because we see the data in terms of um, just the change over the last, I guess, like 10 years, right, where cannabis really started out with um, a heavy um, woman focus or control, right? A lot of companies, like there was a more of a, a percentage in terms of the C-suite and ownership, and we're actually seeing that dwindle. But I think to your point, to your point, when you come from nothing, you know what I mean, and you come into this space, there's still this this feeling of hope in this exhale, and it's like, wow, this is, you know what I mean, like this is is pleasant to be in this space. It is very pleasant to be in this space. I have never been so motivated in a long time with me yeah. just going to certain summits, you know, I was at the cannabis marketing summit in Colorado to see the diversity, to see the education, to see them want to enforce a community within the cannabis industry was so uplifting to me. You know, we saw so many different people of color, so many different backgrounds, so many education background, academic background. It was amazing to see that, you know, not to say I've taken away from other industries, but some industries already have their niche. They already have the experts and they already have that. I don't see that diversity because more corporate here. You're bringing people's lifestyles and personalities right up front. And we're tackling yeah. this cannabis industry together. So to me, it's been inspiring and motivating for me. Yeah. No, I and I think that that's the thing that a lot of a lot of folks are trying to fight to keep in cannabis is that is that culture right you know is is the realness of it and not allow it to turn so corporate um and to be so stoic right because like when you think of traditional um you know cannabis consumers i mean they are vibrant people it's it's color it's you know like there's a whole I don't even want to say like a street aspect to it, but it's more of a communal welcoming space. And so, you know, there's definitely those efforts of making sure 
that even as cannabis is regulating, that we're able to keep that. Yeah, so, I agree. It allows people to be real and it, it accepted who you are with, with what it is. You don't have to put on a face of corporate world. I'm not going to lie. When in the previous organizations, I did have to have yeah. sort of a corporate face. Here, I can let that down. I can be who I am. I can talk about my ethnicity. I can talk about my heritage. I can talk about things in this cannabis space. I don't think I could have done that back then. So yeah. it allows us to be accepted, I think, a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And I think also being a consumer, and it's not to say that like you have to consume to work in this space, but I do think that it gives you a different appreciation. Um, and especially what you're doing with the brands, right? And especially from like that wellness lens, that's, that was your entry. Like, that's how you came into the space of just, like, trying to feel better. Correct. Absolutely. That was always the intent is to be a better person, a better version of me, and being effective, but also being nurturing in every aspect I can be was through cannabis for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a piece on, um, I, I did my research, and I was on your LinkedIn, <laughs> and um this was really this really stuck out to me but it was saying your experience with multicultural teams um and building you know building them and maintaining them and so my question to you is in terms of uh equity efforts in terms of dei those are kind of buzzwordy you know um it's not often that what you and I may understand it to be in the corporate space. Um, they don't always, that, that is not always um, transferred and people are not always on the same page. And so I want to dig into that, right? Because, um, you know, as you're building teams and as you're trying to make sure that you have these different perspectives coming to the table, um, you know, what, I guess, how do you do that? You know what I mean? Or like, what are the things that you really, um, try to ensure or that you look for and how do you, I guess I would say, hold the company that you're with accountable for those efforts? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the things that allowed me to stay true to diversity or equity was, you know, humbling myself around, you know, the people and, 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 and remembering where I came from. So for example, when I worked in the corporate world, the reason why I, love, I worked international because I like to understand the culture. You know, there's, we have to be able to communicate with different cultures, right? We all have different ways of communication. We have our different norms. And so having all these diversity constantly made me remember that we're all different and we have a common ground. We got to connect and we have to respect one another. And we got to get past certain conflicts to meet the goal, one. Two, well, also where I came from, you know, um, most of the organization works had a manufacturing facility and a lot of the manufacturers are, are have a lot of minorities. So when I go into the manufacturing facility, I have to remember that's where my parents came from. Both my parents were blue collar factory workers. And so I remember to say, you got to have compassion. You got to remember these people and put it on the forefront, you know, represent exactly how they want to be treated and how you want to make sure everybody's partaking in that. So I always try to instill that in, in ways I team build with the team I have, the way of the process is full respect try to be active listening, try to communicate and pull that together and make sure I always communicate the best interests of the team. You know, one of the, the things that we did in the last organizations were we always thought about the people. Let's always make it sure that the place that we have, you know, uh, respect, you know, the, the people's diversity, people's way of communication and, and build certain things around them, whether it's, you know, 
having people communicate one way, having, you know, building processes or building, you know, certain ways to celebrate a wins, all that was encompassing for it. And, and that's where I always remember is, remember where you came from, Vicky, make sure you, you, you try to push that through because it is a struggle. You know, with me growing up where I did with two parents winning factory, it was a real struggle, right? So I want to remember that and be able to live through that through me, whatever I do. And where are you from? I'm from like about an hour away from Chicago. I grew up in a small town called West Chicago. You know, right now it's primarily primarily mostly Mexicans there. So I grew up with a lot of Mexicans around me, which is a, a way I introduced the Mexican culture into my culture. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just had to ask, I know outside of this, we were talking about your um, your uh, roots being in Ecuador. Yep. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, you working in Chicago. So how to get up there? Um, that's just me being nosy. But yeah. um, I think you're, you know, I think that there, what you touched on was um, cultural humility. Um, people like to say cultural competency. I don't really like that. Like, you, I don't need you to be competent in, in my culture, but I need you to have humility. And um, I think it's something that people of color sometimes have more of, right? Because it is even a survival skill to pay attention to others, right? And to not offend, you know what I mean? And to and to care about. And so um, so I, I love that like a part of what you are doing or what you are over is like these team building, you know, these building of teams because it is actually fruitful, you know, to have people with different different thought processes. Um, our uh, uh, One of our C-suite ladies, Melanie Davis, my boo Melanie, often talks about like, you know, how this is actually, it adds to your bottom line, right? Like the diversity, like having a diverse table adds to your bottom line. Yes. Um, is that an argument that you've often had to make in terms of like, with building your teams and with like maybe trying to push for the hiring of certain people or the need for for that diversity? I think so. Now that in hindsight, I think so, right? I think in the in the past when I had to hire people, it's like make sure they're they're they have the skill set, but make sure they're culturally fit. And I realize now is that they're talking about culturally fit to their norms, to what they want, to this one thought process. So there's one, you know, value that I'm like, now in hindsight, it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to conform that because we need to add diversity different. We need to allow for people to have different ideas. And on top of that, uh, allow room for people to grow into that. And yeah. it does add value because it adds creativity. It adds different perspective. It adds, you know, a different way of doing things. And I didn't have that in the other corporate worlds. It was, you have a goal, meet it and get it done, get the revenue, get the money and get the people in to, to launch that stuff right away quickly. In hindsight, I wish I would have thought more carefully about it. I was all more careful about when I do things, it's more about the manufacturing facility, more about the other cultures. But when it came into the headquarters, that the was internal piece. Yeah, corrupt. that was difficult. And so I realized, like, no, we can't go there. We have to add some some different type of diversity in all aspects of, of our um, organization for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And I think it's yes. one of those things that when you're in the thick of it, you know, it's it's way it's it's really difficult, right? Um, to take care of everything, 
Yes, you, you know? lose yourself. And that's why I felt like I lost myself when I started realizing I was getting burnt out and meeting these revenues, hiring people that it that was trying to just achieve a goal for what purpose, right? I wasn't fulfilling who I was and fulfilling what I was capable of. So I had to make a move. So speaking of burnout, right? Because when we're talking about how can how cannabis is so volatile, right? Like there are all these changes. This too um, is an industry that you can get burnt out in, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, in the spirit of, of self-care and wellness, so what are the things that you've learned and like you you are um, implementing and, 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 and trying to, you know, put in place to help with that? Like Vicky, you know, eight years ago versus Vicky today, how are we preventing or how are we um, tr managing burnout? That's a really great question that I think I'm still trying to find the best the best avenue for that for me. One of the things is having the support system that I have, you know, being able to, because I do, I you want, I believe you have to be courageous in this field. You know, you, I know you got to be passionate, you got to have spirit, but one of the things you got to be courageous in it because there's going to be things that are going to knock you down. But if you believe it and you, you over, and you have the courage to constantly overcome the battle, that's great with the best support system. So for me, I'm always going back to now my support system, not just my family, but my my friends here at work, you know, bouncing ideas, able to talk about burnout, able to, I'm getting to this point. I'm, I want to normalize those conversations. You know, I feel like yeah. in the last corporate world, you can't really talk about burnout because you're fearful of your job. You're fearful that you're going to interpret something and you're not meeting the, the expectations. I want to normalize it here by talking about that conversations. Like before you get burned out, let me help you, help me. Uh, or I'll start having those up conversation. Like I'm getting burnt out, right? Another thing is I do do healthy diets. I also now are uh, educating myself more in the cannabis. Like I'm doing a lot of other podcasts, looking at articles to say, what are these other people struggling? There's a commonality there where I feel like in the other organization, I didn't have a commonality. I think the only commonality I had in the other organization, the other organization was women in the C-suite. I wanted more yeah. than that. I wanted more of like how you live your life, how, you know, how do you do, you know, mental health, you know, physical health. I wanted more than that, than just, oh, there's women in leadership. This is how you balance the C-suite and how you get things out here. I want more. Um, so those are things, you know, that I'm working at, you know, exercising, of course, but mostly it's now having those conversations with people letting go, um, then holding that in and not talking about what it is that's giving you burnt out yeah yeah no that's so important i mean spirit of transparency prior to us recording we, you know we are both moms and so you know we were talking about that and just normalizing honest conversations period right um and 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 also being real right because there are like usually when there are conversations there are like it's like the status quo right so it's like oh work-life balance and it's like yo what the fuck is balance you know what i'm saying like like sometimes there is no like there's it's not even realistic right like there are days where work may get 80 percent of you and there are days where it may get 20 percent of you right you know and it's just it is what it is it just depends on what the tasks are like what's in front of you and what you have to do and that's not just because you're a mother, but that's just life in general. 
that there's no such thing really of like, I'm going to get 50% of myself to my, to work and 50% <laughs> of myself to, you know, to my personal life. Like, it's just not realistic. And I think that to your point about normalizing conversation, we also have to like normalize like real conversation. Yes. Absolutely. You know, and be honest. Yep. And, and I think part of that is being able to say no. Yeah. Being able to say, I think, I think now that you mentioned that one of the things that did change is, I have separate personal business. I have mm. a separate business, a separate laptop. Before I had it all in one. Same laptop I use for work, same for personal, same for phone. That that may burn up. So now when I go home and I go late, I turn the phone off and I literally disengage. You know, if, if unless it's emergency, I believe people who need me will call me. Then other than that, I'm not gonna read it to the next day. That's the only way I can prevent myself from being burned out to separate the two, even though I have passion for both and you want to make sure it's inclusive, sometimes you just got to learn to just stop and disengage, you know? So I've learned yeah. to just not, I don't look at my phones on the weekends. I used to do it on Sunday nights. I don't, I'm like, you know what? I start at six, seven in the morning. It's going to be there. Nothing's going to change between Sunday night to Monday morning. It's going to be okay. And talking about that is that it's going to be okay. You know, I know you're feeling that you're feeling burnout, normalizing those conversations, but also saying no and, and, and disengaging that will be good. You know, that's a whole word. Um, I feel like that's one of the things that, uh, so technically I'm a millennial, right? I'm 83, excuse me, 84, Lord Jesus, um, 84. So technically I'm a millennial, but I I remember dial-up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember when there was no- I'm 81, so I know, I know the dial-up very well. <laughs> you know, on the cusp, right? Like technically yeah. we're millennials, but like we could also be, what is that, Gen Z that was right before? Yep. A Gen Z? Okay. So like, I feel more like a Gen Zer than a millennial, right? Because I remember like not even having call waiting, right? Like it just, life was different. And there was that opportunity um, that people could not get a hold of you. You know, do you remember like if, if you weren't home, you just wasn't home, you know? I mean, and then pagers came out and it was like, okay, well, I got to have a case quarter. You know what I mean? I can go to a pay phone, but it, it really, it really used to be more of a separation. It you it really used to be easier to be present in whatever you were doing because you didn't have access to what, what else the world and people didn't have access to you. Correct. Yep. And, and I miss that. It, 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 and I believe we all miss it, but we also can change that. And what I mean by that is, I remember when I first started, you know, uh, dating my husband, because by that we were dating, there was in like the chats through all the different social media. You had email, you had cell phones, you had work, you had work phone. You had so many opportunities. If you don't go to one, you go to the next one. You go to the next one, you go to the next one. And then you believe that someone, because they have all those, you know, channels to communicate, that they're going to communicate with you instantly. Well, I learned through, you know, talking to people, normalize these conversations is you don't have to respond to that. We have to respect people's time and then let them think it or let them respond. We should not have that expectations. And those are the types of conversations to say, guys, 
we don't need to just go back to landlord. We just need to respect that time frame. We need to respect not to be, well, I texted you, well, I phone called you to answer back. Well, we're all busy. Or if we're not busy, we have time to digest and able to communicate better when we're ready. And we don't give people that opportunity anymore. We don't. Or I just don't want to talk to your ass. Sometimes, sometimes it's just like, yo, I don't want to talk. Yep. You know what I mean? And like to your point about respecting that those boundaries, whatever, it's just like, no, you are not going to bully me into being on this device and answer this phone. I, I remember one time um, somebody texted me. And I and I didn't respond, but I posted something, and they were like, "So you posted, huh?" And I'm like, "Yo, are you serious right now?" Like, <laughs> and that's the thing we can't allow because we all should have, you know, to your point, respect each other. That was one thing that bothered me is, I, I that's something minimal that I can do that, that you require more attention that I don't want to talk for an hour, I don't want to face it, and you should respect it, but you shouldn't. Put that on me or hold me accountable, make me look the bad guy for doing what I need to do, right? And right. that is that time frame we need to change. And I do feel that if we don't break that or, or or teach people to communicate better or respect that, there's going to be those miscommunication expectations that it's just going to bubble up with people, and and it, it shouldn't be. And that's what I try to teach my kids: is like, slow down. You don't yeah. have to always communicate. You don't always have to respond to that. You could take your time to think things through. And if people pressure you, then you need to correct them to respect your boundaries, right? Yeah. So that's hard to do, but I hope we can change that. No, 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 absolutely. I'm, I, you know, I think about, uh, you know, I'm just so happy that we did not have social media growing up because, you know, some of the things that in a heat of the moment could have been posted or, could, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, we had the ability to like really sleep on things, you know, to just- Can you imagine drunk dialing what that would be like today? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Drunk dialing was terrible back in those days. And we only had one channel. Can you imagine now? <laughs> we would look like stalkers. <laughs> I called you. I'm texting you. Instant messaging you. I'm going to LinkedIn. I'm going to Instagram. We would look terrible. <laughs> It would be a mess. It would be no coming back from that. <laughs> once it's out, girl, when it, once it's out there, there's there's no scrubbing. There's no amount of scrubbing that you could do. Because, like, people could screenshot people. I'm like, once it's out there, it's, and I mean, that's what I say to, like, my nieces and, like, nephews. I'm just like, yo, y'all got to stop going to social media as if it's like your journal or therapist, like get a journal, like write some shit down. Like every, like social media does not need to know every time you're upset or somebody pissed you off or, you know, whatever the case may be, like some stuff just, <laughs> you just gotta keep it. You know what I mean? Just like, let it sit, let it sit with you. Um, Girl, we, we, we is like, we escaped. Okay. Like we, we should feel thankful that we do not that we did not have to deal with all of this growing up. I feel I feel thankful. I'm like I wish I had cannabis back then because I feel like I wouldn't have been drunk down. I would have been just chilling and not forgetting what I was supposed to do. Yep. <laughs> listen, listen. I often because I started late as well. Like I didn't I didn't dabble. Like my whole like pretty much my whole family did, but I didn't really dabble until I was um, almost thirty. And so I was like 28. And I'm like, dude, do you know how many drunken nights? 
<laughs> that could have been avoided if you would have just taken the joint. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I live those days too. <laughs> like, I'm so happy that I was not recorded. Um, <laughs> do you know how many situations? That was just like. <laughs> that would have been blasting live. Everybody would see it. Oh my God, no. Hello. Mm -mm. Nope. I, and then that's the thing. Like, like, I wish <laughs> like Rika is gone. I'm like, mm -mm. but if I would have had, a, if I would have had a joint or something, I could have just been like, do whatever. I don't even yeah. care. Like, you would have just laughed at it yourself, your own thought process. What, what the possibility? And it would have never come to fruition because time would have seemed so slow or gone. You wouldn't even have noticed anything. Girl, listen. It's like, are we eating or not? You want, some, you want a snack? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are you you mad? You're mad? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. What's, what are we doing? I don't know. Just okay. Test the Doritos. Just test the Doritos. Like, I'm I'm done. I'm done. Um, okay, so um um all of that is amazing. We were, you know, we're talking about the comparison. So what attracted you? I want to like bring this back though, um, because I just had a thought. So what attracted you to 240? Oh, that's a great um, question. I think it's twofold. One is the founder. He has a, a vision and a passion, and he believes in it, and he's putting all his efforts into this. And one of them is really wants to educate people on the plan because there's so much stigma around it and still concern is his approach is, you know, educating, but in giving people a safe environment to be educated, right? Because some people are... are, are hesitant because it, you know they, they don't feel safe to talk about it there may be judged he wants to build that and 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 and, and go make that into fruition twofold i was looking also for an organization that has a culture that allows you to research to bloom but also be okay to fail not that we're going to fail but he allows us like we gotta we gotta take chances you know this is volatile so we're gonna pivot it may not be the right choice but do it but he has a culture that he wants to believe that this is the culture that we're going to push forward and we're going to build it as a team and that's what i was looking for and the best thing about it is they they know exactly what they want you know they're not going to hear and bullshit about you know the skill set this and that they know they want the fit they want some of the skill set and when they like something they wholeheartedly make the decision to move forward they're not going to think twice about it constantly they, they believe in it and they go forward there's no yeah. moving back and that's what i liked about when i went here i was like wow they have a vision they have a plan they have a goal and every challenge they come they're pivoting to to um, overcome that you know they're not going to be being stifled you know one my founder he's wonderful because he's like if there's a blocker I want to push right through. I want to get to my goal. I want to educate. I want to build something that's great for the people. And that's what he's doing. And I'm I'm happy to be a part of that. You know, a lot of people can say that, you know, I work for organizations and great for them. I want to be part of a movement. This isn't yeah. just a product. This is a movement. This is something that is not just, you know, medical and has benefits. This is also, to your point, social equity. This is providing, you know, uh, the, the pharmaceutical benefits for very you know, difficult diseases and challenges for people's health, right? Yeah. And we're making those strides versus revenue, revenue, revenue. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to be part of the 240L family. Yeah. For sure. Um, that's super dope. And I think to your point about the the work that you do with wellness, you know, one of the things that that we say is that um 
all cannabis use, all consumption is wellness because there are so many people and so many um, communities out here that, you know, deal with daily traumas, macro, microaggressions, things of that nature. And so like their troubles may not be diagnosed, but it's a lot of folks out here. Like, I mean, honestly, until I started going to therapy, I didn't even know that that people of color, that black women specifically, that we could even have anxiety. I was just like, what is that? Like, that's a thing, you know, because, because, you know, culturally what the cultural norms of like pushing through and just dealing with and just getting it on. But, but we are like trees, our bodies are like trees. And so like every, every ax, right? Like every cut, our body remembers it. But, you know, there, I mean, again, like I said, there are things that we go through daily and like, yeah, we need the, the rest, the reprieve, the relaxation. We need to block that cortisol release. And so the work that you're doing is so necessary. It's so needed um, on so many levels. So uh, before we get out of here, I want to, I want to leave last words with you, right? So like what, would you want to leave with the people in terms of um, in terms of wellness, whether it's specifically what you do or the company? Oh, I'm sorry. One more question I, I had to ask, because as you're dealing with brands, I wanted to know, um, is there any emphasis emphasis put on equity brands? Yes, there will be some equity brands for sure. Um, okay. That is part of the roadmap. Um, one of the, the equity brands I would think is going to be targeted to women. Right. Okay. Women of all color, women that have, you know, um, mental health, uh, you know, uh, challenges. That's what we want to target. We want to want to target that, provide that for others. But we okay. do have other equity plans that we do. So a lot of the product lines we're going to be launching is, is you know, a CBD luxury line, wellness line. And then we have a lifestyle line, you know, okay. targeting to many different um, uh, consumers. Uh, we're still building that roadmap, but for sure, that is definitely part of, of our, our, our goal. So, hey, good people. Um, you see it down here on the bottom. You can search for Vicki Weiss on LinkedIn. Um, I do have the actual LinkedIn, but you probably won't be able to to, to, to copy that. We'll actually put it in. The, we'll, we'll put it in um, the description. OK, so don't worry about that. But you can also just search for her name on LinkedIn and it will come up because you definitely want to stay tuned for um, the product developments and, and things that 240 are launching. So, okay, now getting back to uh, the wrap up, what do you wanna leave with the people? I think what I want to leave to people is um, for at least the cannabis community that we need to come together. You know, we need to build and make this boom together and not leave each other behind because this isn't just about making product to make revenue. This is a movement that we need to hold hands to, right? We need to push that through. And for everybody else is, you know, let's have an open door mentality in a safe place that we could talk about cannabis and not feel the stigma and not feel the pressures that we can't talk about it to try because it is benefits to educate ourselves, each other. You know, I'm constantly trying to educate people in a safe environment, not being pushy, but like there is other alternatives. Right. And we need to be open to that. So I would say people just be open for what's coming in the cannabis world, because it's going to have many impact in many different arms of, of the world. You know, yeah, um, I think that that's perfect. Um, just the open arm policy, you know, um, and, and hey, if cannabis is not your thing, 
uh, don't block others. You know, that is, we are perfectly, um, it is in our realm to have preferences and to have our own likes and dislikes, but don't actively engage in harmful practices um, or efforts to block other people from being able to enjoy and live their best life and to um, to to get the medicine that they need. So with that being said, Vicki, girl, this was a whole vibe. I thank you so much. I look forward to um, seeing and hearing about all of the amazing things that um, that you specifically are going to be doing, but also that 240 is going to have and what they're going to be offering to the cannabis space. And uh, you already know what it is. Stay blunt, y'all. Thank you so much.